1: To the Bruce Exclusive, of Buffalo Rumblings podcast. I am your host, Bruce Nolan. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Bruce Exclusive. Welcome back. It's Friday. I hope you enjoyed me going off the handle yesterday about the Josh Allen-Blake Bortles comparison and making sure that we, you know, did some housekeeping with some NFL news. Today, we've got more news. And that is that Star Latulule has opted out of his contract at the time of this recording for the 2020 season. I actually think out of all the positions and all the players on the team, the defensive line is one of the deepest units on this team. And Star Latulale specifically plays a specialized role at a deep position. So I do think we're going to miss Star Latulale. But if we were going to have a player do it at a position of depth, I would prefer that versus the alternative. As it currently is, I was having an interesting time trying to figure out how Harrison Phillips was going to make this team as defensive tackle five. Because historically, the Bills have kept four two three techs, two one techs. At this point, at the one tech, they'll probably keep Harrison Phillips and yes, Vernon Butler. Vernon Butler, if you will recall, played five tech and three, four looks for the Panthers this past year, which is a fairly translatable skill set to a one tech, not entirely, but it shares more in commonality with that than it does with a three tech. So Vernon Butler can play in that role as well. In addition, Ed Oliver played the zero tech in college. He played over the center, directly over the center. So He could fill in there if we needed to. I'd prefer him not. But we can have two one techs. And we can still have Quentin Jefferson and Ed Oliver at the three tech. So I think that makes the depth chart a lot easier to predict assuming no injuries. Now, obviously, if you have an opt-out and then you have an injury at that position, there's very few positions in the league that can handle two starters going down. So that would be problematic. But Starla Tulley has decided to opt out this year from the 2020 NFL season. At the time of this recording, he's the only Bills player who has done so. The Patriots are like rats leaving a sinking ship at the moment. I guess I could have just stopped it at Are like rats, I suppose. <laughs> but that's the news to, get to make sure that we're caught up on before we dive into today's topic, which is the Josh Allen Mitchell Trubisky comparison, the two quarterbacks that Alan haters, you can't see me, but I'm doing air quotes will commonly compare him to are Blake Bortles and Mitchell Trubisky. You see this a lot from the PFF guys on social media, which is hilarious because you think with the bevy of statistics that they have at their disposal, they'd be able to pretty quickly realize why that's not true. But in the event that they need some help or anybody else does, I'm going to assist them. Yes. I brought up the snark cannon today. I brought the snark cannon with me, I had it holstered, I kept it holstered for a long time, and now I I just can't anymore. I actually think Josh Allen has much more in common with Blake Bortles than he does in Mitchell Trubisky. I mentioned yesterday that they didn't really have a lot in common. I said that the only thing that Blake Bortles and Josh Allen had in common was a high-level scouting report, big, athletic, physical, intangibles, accuracy due to mechanics, and they both came in earlier than you would like a project quarterback to come in. Josh Allen, it was the second half of the first game, relieving Nathan Peterman. And with Blake Bortles, it was in game three to relieve Chad Henney. I think Mitchell Trubisky and Josh Allen have less in common than even that. And we're going to use the same three things we used yesterday to compare the two. We're going to go scouting report, situation. And the reason why Mitchell Trubisky has thus far not reached his potential. Let's start with the scouting report. The scouting report on Mitchell Trubisky was that he was incredibly inexperienced. 13-game starter in the ACC. Now, if you think about experience level, some people say experience level regarding quantity when they talk about it. And other people say experience level via quality. When they talk about it, but really it's a multiplication of both of those things. It's how many games you started multiplied by the quality of those starts. And the equation there is used to solve for experience. I'm using air quotes again. So if you have 40 starts in division two versus six starts in the ACC Then it depends on how you measure the ACC versus Division II. It's quantity of experience multiplied by quality of experience. And the big knock on Mitchell Trubisky coming out was he had 13 games as a starter in the ACC. He was a 68% completion guy. Yeah. The knock on Mitchell Trubisky in the NFL is that he's not accurate. But he was a 68% completion guy in college. You know why? Because college completion percentage isn't indicative of accuracy. I've been yelling about this since Tebow. College completion percentage does not mean you're accurate. It was a spread offense with tons of screen passes. He was athletic and bigger. Sure, I'll give you that. But there was a very, very important situation that we need to talk about. Mitch Trubisky... Was a four star recruit. He was Mr. Football in Ohio, in Mentor, Ohio, which is east side of Cleveland. If you remember correctly, I'm in the greater Cleveland area. I'm familiar with Mitch Trubisky. He was hot stuff. Four star recruit coming out. And he couldn't beat out Marquise Williams. That should have been a massive red flag. This four-star recruit, this Mr. Ohio football couldn't beat out Marquise Williams, got multiple cracks at it, and didn't get a chance to take over as the North Carolina starting quarterback until that guy left and was an undrafted free agent in the NFL. So an undrafted free agent held you back, Mitchell Trubisky. Well, that would be okay if it was all a collection of traits. But I would argue Mitchell Trubisky's traits weren't even that good. He was inflated by a gimmicky offense that was very spread-related, did not have significant downfield reads in college, and he didn't do it a lot. Mitchell Trubisky was a tremendous projection. Everyone talked about how raw Josh Allen was coming out. And I'm telling you right now, he was raw coming out. He was very raw coming out. He was the rawest of all the quarterbacks in that draft last coming out. Do you know what's really raw? A 13-game starter who never had to make any sort of pro-style reads got very little experience and came from a very, very, very non-NFL offensive system. That's raw. Why weren't we talking about Mitchell Trubisky? In the same level of rawness. You know why? Because people are lazy and they saw 68% completion percentage. They're like, oh, he's accurate. But that's not what that is. So the scouting reports aren't even close to being similar. Should have been a huge red flag when this four-star Mr. Ohio football couldn't beat out Marquise Williams. Then he comes into the NFL and this is his situation. He has Dave Ragone experienced quarterbacks coach and Matt Nagy quarterback whisperer as his head coach. Matt Nagy was lauded for his time in Kansas City for being able to manufacture offense. Specifically, the stuff that Andy Reid did with Alex Smith was extremely innovative. And Matt Nagy got a lot of credit for that. Andy Reid has done a wonderful job of making sure that he is elevating his assistant coaches, allowing them to take on responsibilities, and broadcasting to the NFL that this guy is ready to lead a franchise. And he did that with Matt Nagy. Matt Nagy's ability to manufacture offense in the passing game, I don't want to call it gimmicky, but his ability to manufacture offense is important. Now that stuff will catch up to you. Not everything can be a package play. At some point, you have to drop back. You have to read down the field. You got to make a throw. At some point, that has to happen. You can't just package your way all the way in the NFL. It can help you make things easier on your quarterback, which is what Matt Nagy did. But Josh Allen came in with Brian Dable, who threw him in the deep end. I don't know if you know this or not, but the Bills' screen game is not super high. The Bills' packaged plays, not super high. Brian Dable's offense is throwing Josh Allen in the deep end. We're going to make you, we are going to make you see the correct coverage. We're going to make you look to the correct side of the field based on the coverage that you see, whether it's man or zone, we're going to make look left or right because we're going to have route concepts available to you. We're not going to give you really quick binaries as often as Mitch Trubisky got. There's going to be some RPO game. There's going to be some play action. But it's not going to make the job easy for you. Now, I could make an argument that Brian Dable should be more like Matt Nagy. He should make it easier on Josh Allen. More play action. More package plays. But he didn't. The Bills offense for Josh Allen is being in the deep end. The Bears offense for Mitch Trubisky was being in the shallow end. Not even the shallow end. The Bears offense is being in the kiddie pool. That's what it was. Also, Mitch Trubisky got Allen Robinson year two. Allen Robinson is one of the best receivers in the league. Josh Allen's just now getting in year three what Mitch Trubisky got year two, which was that dynamic number one receiver. Their situations are not comparable. This is the theme. For Mitchell Trubisky, based on what he was as a recruit and where he's at now, the word is underwhelming. For Josh Allen, a scrawny kid who was not part of elite quarterback camps and was a zero-star recruit, the word is overachieving. It's underwhelming versus overachieving. How can you say those two people are the same? How can you say when you look at the journey of Mitchell Trubisky And you look at the situation of Mitchell Trubisky. Can you say that he is equivalent to Josh Allen? One of them is underwhelming. And one of them is overachieving. It's not even close to being the same. Oh, well, you know, Mitchell Trubisky is a a good runner. He's a good runner. Okay, really? He's a good runner? Okay. Let's look at the rushing QBR for Mitchell Trubisky. And let's look at the rushing QBR For Josh Allen for 2019. Josh Allen's rushing QBR, QBR, just so you know, is a statistic proprietary ESPN. It incorporates estimated points per attempt. So at the end of the play, how much closer was your team to getting points than they were at the beginning of the play? It's essentially the run is basically a clutch weighted expected points added through rushes. That's what rushing QBR is. The rushing QBR for Josh Allen was eighth in the league. At 10.4, the rushing QBR for Mitchell Trubisky was 20th in the league at 1.7. Oh yeah, they're both rushers, except Josh Allen was 10 times more effective. Oh, huh. that's interesting. You know why? Because Josh Allen gets third and ones. Josh Allen gets fourth and ones. Josh Allen gets the goal lines. Josh Allen's a more effective runner. If all you're using is rushing yards to measure rushing effectiveness, especially with quarterbacks, I would greatly greatly question your ability to measure that correctly. Rushing yards are not the best way to measure a quarterback's rushing impact because a lot of times it's just get to the next thing. It's not about scrambling for as many yards as humanly possible. It's about getting the first down on third and six when your receivers are covered. It's about converting that third and one and fourth and one. It's about getting that goal line carry. The things that Josh Allen's good at. So I would argue they're not even similar in rushing. So where exactly is the comparison come from? Why didn't Mitchell Trubisky turn out? Or why hasn't he thus far? He still makes ill-advised throws. He gets confused in the pocket. And he misses open receivers. Now, Josh Allen misses open receivers deep all the time. He also misses them a little bit too often on really short out routes. We saw that last year. But Josh Allen is a top 10 intermediate passer in the league right now. That's a spot where Mitch Trubisky doesn't do as well. In addition, Josh Allen was infinitely more calm in the pocket this year than he was previously where it was one, two, run. Josh Allen is trending in the correct direction when it comes to pocket presence and making intermediate throws, diagnosing coverages. He's making progressions in that area. Mitchell Trubisky is regressing in that area. I think Mitchell Trubisky might get a chance because there's rumors going around right now that Nick Foles is opting out of the year for the Chicago Bears. It has not been confirmed at the time of this recording. However, Mitchell Trubisky might get one more crack at this. But they're not even close to being similar quarterbacks. The comparison to Mitchell Trubisky is intellectually dishonest and it's intended as an insult. That's all it is. It's intellectually dishonest and it's intended as an insult. It is intended to upset you as Bills fans. That's it. But they're not even close to being similar players. Just Josh Allen isn't Blake Bortles. Josh Allen isn't Mitchell Trubisky. He's even less Mitchell Trubisky than he is Blake Bortles. At least the archetype was correct with Blake Bortles. But Mitchell Trubisky, the archetype isn't even correct. They're vastly different athletes. They have vastly different physical traits. I actually have very little issue with Mitchell's Risky's lower body mechanics. I have more issue with his decision-making. One of them is underwhelming and the other one is overachieving. We are going to take a quick break. We are going to come back. We're going to chat about your almighty takes of the week. Stick around. Let's do this. We'll be right back. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a
0: parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N 29.com.
1: Welcome back, everybody. Thank you for joining me for this edition of The Bruce Exclusive of Buffalo Rumblings podcast. I'm your host, Bruce Nolan. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Bruce Exclusive. We are diving in. We have now talked about why Josh Allen isn't Blake Bortles. We talked about why he's not Mitchell Trubisky. And now we're going to get started on Know Thy Enemy. And we're going to get your takes on the AFC East foes of the Buffalo Bills. In 2020, we're going to jump right in. Jeremy Loss says, Though Bill Belichick and D- Daniels tailor the offense to Cam's strengths, Loss was on defense and Cam's questionable health, forced the Patriots to finish below the Fitz-led Finns for third in the division. The Jets finished fourth, tanking for Trevor. Bills in first, obviously. Well, I mean, obviously. I don't think it's crazy that the Patriots would be third in the division. I think they'll be second, but I don't think this is an unreasonable take. I do think the Jets will be behind. I think that Miami has pretty much jumped them with their offseason this year. I think the Jets drafted really well, but as long as they've got Adam Gase, and you know from my previous discussions that I'm a Brian Flores believer. I think he's a good coach. So I don't think this is crazy. I still think the Patriots will end up in second place, but I could very easily see third. I absolutely see that. Christ, the Bills fan says the Jets will fire Adam Gase at the bye after starting three and seven and go three and three down the stretch. That's I hopefully hopefully that doesn't happen. I hope they hire Adam Gase. I hope they resign him to a, a lifetime contract. I'm down with it. But I, I, I can see that going. If they think that there's still something to salvage with Sam Darnold, then I can see it happening. I can absolutely see it happening. Padden says, by the end of 2020, it will be clear that Miami Dolphins are the biggest threat to the Buffalo Bills in the AFC East. They will compete for the division in 2021. Plus, Adam Gase will be cut mid-year and Greg Williams to head coach. I agree with all the stuff. The Miami Dolphins are somebody to be concerned about. They will compete for the Dizzy in 2021, assuming they all trend in the correct direction. Yeah. Adam Gase getting fired mid-year, I, I think, is a very reasonable possibility. I hope it's not the case, but I think it's reasonable. Patch says, my almighty take is the AFC standings will be Bills, Dolphins, Patriots, Jets. Hey, Patch, you and Jeremy need to talk because you guys are of one mind, a hive mind. I don't think it's unreasonable. I definitely don't think it's unreasonable. Low Buffa says, the simultaneous departure of Brady and Scar will reveal the Pats O-line as a fraud. Dante Scarnecchia is one of the greatest Offensive line coaches may the greatest offensive line coach in the history of football. I agree. Brady made his offensive line look better. And Dante Garnecchia made the offensive line look better. So without those two, I don't think it's going to be the same Patriots offensive line that we're used to seeing. Chris Spencer says, the AFC East takes on both West divisions this year, and it looks like they'll be tough to play. My almighty take is Cam gets injured. Gase gets fired in October on the 19th from the 0-6 Jets. And the AFC East winner is only team to make the playoffs and does so with just nine wins. I don't think it's crazy if the AFC East winner has nine wins this year. And it might be the Bills. I'm oscillating between nine and seven and ten and six for the Bills this year. We'll see. I haven't made my final prediction yet. But Cam getting injured, it wouldn't be crazy. He's been injured. Geese getting fired in October, not crazy. Oh, and six is strong. But the AFC East winner having nine wins, I can see it. Nate the Cheeseburger Walrus says his almighty take for AFC East opponents is Tua takes over the Dolphins after a 1-7 and seven start. And he goes 7-1 and one as a starter. Dolphins finish the season 8-8 eight and eight, good enough for third in the division. And we're all super stoked to watch the Dolphins in 2021. 7-1 as a starter as a rookie is aggressive, Nate. I'm a Tua guy. I think Tua is a great fit in Chan Gailey's offense in Miami. I was not happy that they picked him instead of Justin Herbert. I was rooting greatly for Justin Herbert because I don't don't think he's as gifted. But one and seven to seven and one, that's strong. That's really, really aggressive. I'm going to go with no just because it's super aggressive. I think that Brian Flores is too good for them to start one and seven. And I think Chan Gailey and Ryan Fitzpatrick could make some beautiful music together. I think so. I definitely think so. All right, we've got one more AFC East take. And it came via email. And it wasn't really an AFC East take at all. But I got this email a few minutes ago. I'm recording this on Tuesday night. It's 7.22 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Tuesday night. And Jacob sent me an email. And it said, Josh Allen is not an inaccurate quarterback. And he was talking about on target percentage from pro football reference and how you have to dig deeper than completion percentage for accuracy. And I would agree with this. He emailed me this because he doesn't have Twitter. First off, Jacob, thank you so much for emailing me. I read all your emails. I greatly appreciate when you email me. Um, Sometimes I don't like being connected to so many people because sometimes people are awful, but then I get emails and I get, Twitter messages, and they tell me that they really look forward to my show every week and that it matters to me. And when I hear things like that, it makes it worth it. I can deal a little bit more with the nonsense that I get because people are terrible, guys. Humanity is kind of awful sometimes. We treat each other terribly and the internet is a bad place to be. And for a guy who doesn't like being connected to people, choosing to do a podcast and connecting voluntarily to a lot of people is kind of hard sometimes. So I really appreciate your email, and I really appreciate your kind words, Jacob. But specifically, he's talking about Josh Allen and specifically how there are other traits and other statistics and other metrics that correlate. You're not on Twitter, Jacob, so you didn't know that I tweeted this. But what I tweeted not too long ago was specifically that metrics are given context through other metrics. And if you have those metrics that provide context, you kind of have an obligation to use them. So for completion percentage, drop percentage matters. For completion percentage, average distance of target matters. For completion percentage, check down rate matters. All of these three things I just mentioned, drop rate, check down rate, average throw distance, all those things provide context to completion percentage. Completion percentage is a results-based metric. Drop rate, check down rate, and average throw distance are contextually related to completion percentage. If you use one in a vacuum to prove something without being able to first understand why that exists, you are purposefully getting less context. I don't say this to say that Josh Allen is an accurate passer and neither does Jacob. Jacob and I are connected because I posted a previous tweet about something that I thought was valuable. And that was specifically that Josh Allen, when targeting his starting three receivers, was above average in completion percentage. Well, you might say, ah, Bruce, dude, everyone's going to do better when they're targeting their top three than they are when they don't targeting the top three. That's why they're the top three. Yes. But compare Josh Allen when targeting his top three receivers versus his base, and then that distance will tell you how significantly the overall completion percentage was being dragged down by other players. I'm not saying Josh Allen is accurate. There are plenty of metrics aside from this that don't make that point that Josh Allen's is accurate. I'm saying that this idea that he is laughably inaccurate to the point of parody is overblown. It's completely overblown. Knox and Singletary had 14 drops on 91 targets. That is ridiculous. That is way high. When you combine that with the fact that Josh Allen has checked the ball down one time, I'm exaggerating, but he checks the ball down less than any quarterback in the league. And he still, even after YOLO Josh in 2018, he still was at the top of the league right there at the top for average distance of throw. So if his drop rate is the highest, his average distance of throw is one of the highest, and he never checks the ball down, do you think he's going to have the highest completion percentage? No. Again, I'm not saying Josh Allen is accurate. Please, please don't misunderstand me. I'm saying he is not comically inaccurate. And if you hear someone say, Josh Allen can't hit the broad side of a barn, it's because they're not watching. They're box score scouting. Because there's contextual metrics that you need to use to give if you're not using them, and if someone makes them aware, makes you aware of them and you choose to not use them, it's because you like the conclusion. You are not following the scientific process. You are starting at the conclusion, planting your flag, and then defending your conclusion against anyone who dares question you. Oh, Josh Allen's incredibly inaccurate. Look, he's got a fifty-eight percent completion percentage. Okay, well, what about these three things? Oh, well, he still sucks. Okay, well, you know what? At that point, you're being intellectually dishonest. You're not interested in the truth. You're interested in your narrative. So, Jacob, I appreciate that. I haven't. I know that it wasn't an almighty take about the AFC East, but it was a good email. It was in depth, and I wanted to go over it on this conversation. So, I feel like I've gotten a little heated the last couple of weeks. I feel like I'm starting to become a kind of a ranter on this podcast. I don't know. I don't really mind it, to be honest. I don't really mind it. I'm a passionate guy. I care about football. I have strong opinions. I am completely willing to accept when I have a strong opinion. and it turns out I'm wrong. you know what? Good on me. Move on. Take your medicine, take your humble pie. I find Hannibal Pie to be delicious. I find it to be delicious. I think it's wonderful. There are no brownie points for being right. I don't get special treatment for being right. doesn't matter. I hope you guys enjoy your weekend. I hope that this was valuable. I hope that this was kind of a a apologetics class over the last two days with Bortles and Allen and Trubisky and Allen. When somebody makes that comparison, you have stuff to say. So go out into the world and be Josh Allen apologists until he plateaus. Once he plateaus, then we can evaluate where he's at and whether or not the spot he plateaued at is good enough to be a franchise quarterback for this team. And that's the way the cookie crumbles. I'm Bruce Nolan, Buffalo Rufflings.